Today, one of the one of the atrocities of our society is that young people are not only tattooing themselves and putting rings in their nose and ears and navel and everywhere else, but they are having these vampire parties where they cut their bodies and lick and suck the blood out of one another. Are your teeth real? Yeah. The devil wants our children. <laughs> and our children are being destroyed in America by pedophiles, by homosexuals, by lesbians, by same-sex marriage, by rock group bands. Hello and welcome to the Skeleton Factory podcast episode five. This is Adam coming to you from Austin, Texas. And I'm sitting here drinking my coffee. I am free, legal, and innocent, unbothered, moisturized, happy, in my lane, focused, and flourishing. So, uh, in the great tradition of punk rock documentaries, such as Penelope Spheres, The Decline of Western Civilization, and uh, Another State of Mind, directed by Adam Small and produced by Peter Stewart. And I bring them up because... So, the director, Adam Small, who's he's like a musical genius. He's... He's like this genius bass player, and he's played bass for uh, Bernie Worrell and Pointer Sisters and Jimmy Smith. But the bulk of his work is writing music for shows such as Keeping Up with the Kardashians, Hogan Knows Best, and Kathy Griffin's My Life on the D-List. And the producer, Peter Stewart, who you may know as Winkleman in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There's a scene at the candy store uh, where the candy man is uh, behind the counter and he's uh, he's telling the children about the new Willy Wonka product called the Scrum Diddlyamptious Bar. And there's a kid that says, uh, Scrum Diddlyamptious Bar, how does he do it? And the candy man says, my dear boy, we don't ask a fish how he swims or a bird how he flies. Wonka was born to make chocolate. And you were born to be a wonkier. Whatever that is. I think Wonka tear would have probably been better. Sounds better. Anyways. And all the children smile and they giggle and with a look in the candy man's eyes of a insane person, he breaks into song about uh, the candy man and how he can make all things better and cheerier through processed sugar. Now, it seems like a harmless scene and song about how this eccentric Genius candy maker Willy Wonka was put on this earth to make children happy. It's not. It's a terrifying satanic dirge that is designed to proselytize kids that never are you to question the actions of your corporate masters. They know what's best for you and you will not question them 
You will buy their goods and services. You will obey and you will like it. It's, it's, they live. Willy, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is essentially the film they live. It's probably in the same universe. People on the internet, get on that, get on that. Somehow construct a video that, that connects Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. They live in the same universe. Yeah, the movie is essentially They Live. Uh, why do I bring that up? Well, because that's what, that's what punk rock music is. It'll rather kill you or crush your spirit when you inevitably conform to the world's demands. Sorry, Santa isn't real. Get a job, prole. Get in line, prole face. Anyhow. The Decline of Western Civilization and Another State of Mind. Those are lovely punk rock documentaries. About, uh, they're about teenage rebellion and individuality. But the documentary I want to talk about is not about teenage rebellion. It's about crazy people taking revenge on the world through music and fearsome acts. So I want to talk about the documentary entitled Hated Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. This documentary is more in line with uh, it's 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 not it's not like those other documentaries I mentioned where it's about musicians and quirky artists trying to get their try to get their music and art out into the world and, 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 you know, uh, they're weird and they're, they're, their scene is weird and they're just trying to do their thing. No, I'm not. No. Hated Gigi on the murder junkies is not that type of documentary. I would say it's probably more in line with, uh, movies like uh, cool hand Luke and Bronson and Chopper and Made in England. It's about characters who cannot and will not be broken. They will not conform. They are in a death spiral to <laughs> to some sort of end, but um, so I watched Hated, and I also watched The Allens, which is a more recent documentary, and it's about, uh, like, it's, it's, it's about uh, Gigi Allen's brother Merle and his mother, and how his, the, the, the death of Gigi Allen, how his family has uh, moved on, or not moved on. Uh, since his passing and it's a, it's a pretty, it's a, it's actually a pretty quaint little movie. Um, uh, but hated was the first, was the first film made by director Todd Phillips. And 
everyone knows Todd Phillips from the Hangover movies and Joker starring Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, Todd Phillips is supposed to be making... This is what happened. He made the Joker, and it was so amazing and genius, and he made it on a relatively low budget compared to some of the other stuff he's made. Because Joaquin Phoenix's performance was just so good and everything. and But after he made that, and it made like boatloads of money. Some, some person in charge somewhere was just like, okay, Todd, genius work, man. Here's a blank check. You can go and make whatever you want to make next. Whatever you want to make, go ahead and make it. And uh, did he make another Hangover movie? Did he uh, do a? Uh, did he reboot the movie Old School? <laughs> no, he didn't do that. Instead, he wanted to make a movie about the life of Hulk Hogan, and that's being made right now, starring Chris Hemsworth. So Thor is going to get even bigger to play Hulk Hogan. So I hope that. He's training, saying his prayers, and eating his vitamins. And um, in my mind, I imagine he gets daily uh, uh, he gets daily uh, phone calls from Hulk Hogan, where he's telling him he's telling him, "Hey, brother." He calls him brother. He's a "Hey, brother." He's like, "You gotta if you if you really want to." look like the Hulkster circa 1980s, you need to do a lot of steroids. You need to get really, really tan and you need to slather yourself with oil and grow a sick mustache, which really is, that's the, that's the best advice to anybody really. That's really the best advice you can give anyway. But he's, uh, uh, I imagine Hulk Hogan is giving that to Chris Hemsworth on a, on a daily basis. Cause Chris Hemsworth, uh, a random, random, uh, uh, leaked photos of Chris Hemsworth preparing for the role and him getting super jacked trickle out into the internet, uh, from time to time. Uh, but I love, that's what Todd Phillips wanted to, that's what his, follow-up to the Joker was. But also he said he wouldn't make a sequel to the Joker. But um, they're probably going to make a second one anyways. Because money. Because money is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I really hope that that Hulk Hogan movie is uh, like... hope it's like Boogie Nights, where it's just... Filled with uh, a world filled with uh, eccentric characters, and everyone's on cocaine and having promiscuous sex, and it's loud and has a rock and soundtrack. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for. You know, um, I'd really like to see. Um, let's see who who can be in the movie. I'd really like to see um, uh, 
maybe Bradley Cooper. He can be Ric Flair. I think that'd be really good casting. And um, I'm sure they'll round off the cast with, you know, like here, this, this this is, here's the thing that needs to come back and it's, it's get, um, wooden, uh, just shit actor bodybuilders to be in action films that require large muscular men. Because we've gotten away from that. That's what we need. None of this, like, skinny guy doing kung fu and beating the shit out of everybody. Like, that had its time, and that time is over. Okay? No more skinny guy, no more skinny woman uh, beating the fuck out of 250-pound thugs with machine guns. Like, no more of that. That's over. Okay? I'm talking to you, Batwoman. It's over. Okay? It is over. Condolences. Anyhow, uh, Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. Um, So, uh, if you're not familiar with Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies, uh, the band, and you're not familiar with Gigi Allen, uh, how how can I describe this in a uh, tight... uh, a nice tight description. Gigi Allen was a punk rock singer through the 80s and early part of the 90s. And he was in a bunch of bands. But he's well known for his stage performances. And a typical Gigi Allen show would involve uh, him getting naked him uh, defecating on the stage, uh, throwing his shit at the audience, uh, eating his shit, smearing his shit on himself, uh, throwing uh, mic stands, bottles, whatever he can get his hands on at the crowd, breaking bottles over his head, rolling around in broken glass, and generally assaulting visually and physically the crowd. So it's essentially a freak show. It was a it was a punk rock freak show. A one man punk rock freak show. And uh, back in those days word, word travels. Word definitely travels. So stories the legend of Gigi Allen spread across the world. And uh, back in the day, back in my youth, you would randomly come across, um, you randomly come across like Gigi Allen videos of shows. And it was always badly recorded. It was like, on a VHS that was co- like recorded off another VHS, recorded off another VHS, and it would just be the most chaotic concerts you've ever seen. Um, I remember uh, you getting getting like Gigi Allen VHS tapes were um, somewhat readily available 
in the early 2000s when I moved to San Francisco. Like you could just find, you can go to like Amoeba and just find, find them. And there were always these handmade artwork kind of cobbled together VHS boxes, which were already like would get your attention because they don't look, they don't have that slick, clean look of all the other movies there. There was sort of this bootlegs looking thing that you just kind of had to pick up and sort of inspect. And But between the stage performances and the um, song lyrics, which were even for people who were, you know, Mr. Cool Guy, fucking punk rocker dude, like Gigi Allen was like this boogeyman for... You you can kind of see how uh, how PC everyone was um, in the like punk scene. People based on you, there were certain little things you could bring up to kind of see to test people's reactions. And um, though I listened to a lot of punk music and a lot of hardcore music and everything else. Like I never really considered myself like, like, like Mister Punk Rocker guy because I just there was, you know, I liked taking uh, showers. <laughs> I didn't, you know, uh, I wasn't into like huffing fucking glue and uh, butt chugging boxed wine. You ever do that? You ever do that back in the day in high school? You ever butt chug? Butt chug is when you um, basically make an enema of alcohol and you uh, squirt it into your into your rectum. And the idea being that it, once you would it, it put it directly into your rectum, it'll go straight to your bloodstream. It'll it'll sidestep your stomach. It'll sidestep your liver, which is your filtration process inside of your body it's a little it's a actually a, a very large brita filter that's in your body it was it would completely sidestep that and go straight into your bloodstream and you would get drunk very quickly and um picture that picture uh picture filling a like a a, a like a sports bottle with uh red wine or vodka some like really cheap uh, yeah, get some uh, some Smirnoff vodka and just fill your ass with it while your friends hold your legs up. Like you're doing a keg stand, but instead of the liquid going in your mouth, the liquid goes into your ass. That's fun. Go do that by the train tracks on a school day when you're supposed to be in class. You know, when I mean, you're supposed to be in driver's ed, you're butt chugging vodka, you know, uh, uh, near the train tracks. I don't know. Dude. God. Okay. Though I, though I am a, uh, in, uh, full disclosure. Is that what people say when they, they want to let you know that they're honest and forthcoming? Uh, full, full disclosure. 
uh, I am a G.G. Allen fan. I do like his music. I find it funny. I don't find it a. Um, I don't find it to be a a, a a a recorded record of how to lead your life at all. Um, I don't find intravenous drug use and um, playing with my feces. That's uh, not that's not my bag, but I do uh, from time to time enjoy the music. I do enjoy the spectacle, and I do enjoy movies like this. And for as much of a nightmare as Gigi Allen was, he was sort of this like necessary evil to put a mirror up to um, underground music at the time, time he was alive at least, even now really, and show how full of shit and hypocritical all of your supposed punk rock heroes are. Uh, The more preachy ones, at least. You know, there's a lot of famous punk rock people who have absolutely no no problem selling out. Actually, not so much selling out as they... Uh, they had their time as like underground punk people making music, being in bands and shit like that. But then they moved on to other things and sometimes moving on to other things involves going towards a more mainstream audience. You know, that shit happens, but there's difference like Henry Rollins. And I, and I, I dig Henry Rollins, you know, actually one of my best friends if you've ever listened to this show, if you listen to this podcast, the Skeleton Factory podcast, you um, if you've ever actually made it to an end, the end of an episode, there's some outro music that plays. And that music was made by uh, my dear friend, uh, John Stewards, who lives out in Oakland, California. And he has been a friend of mine for uh fuck damn near half my life that's crazy to think about but john's a lovely man he's has really good taste in music he's a musician himself he's he's kind of like a he's kind of like an an everyman he's sort of transformed over time to become the sort of everyman and i like him a lot he's a he's a very funny guy and he it's weird because he's a with all for all the other people, he's 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 one of those people who's just able to have friends of all different stripes, like people who are way more got their shit together than I do. But he still stays friends with me for some reason. I don't I don't know why. <laughs> would I be friends with me? I don't know. I don't know if I would be friends with me. I'm I, you know, the older I get, the more I'm like realize how I I realize my hangups and how difficult i am to be around but i don't know john and i talk almost every week on the phone you know um but he uh made that outro music for this show and johnny if you're listening uh thank you buddy i love you but yes oh yeah i remember i was um bringing up john uh john uh surprised me one day uh we were going uh we were like hanging out in japantown 
and we like got some lunch and some drinks and shit, and we were heading back to his car, and he surprised me. He surprised me, but he walked by this like old kind of jazz venue, and uh, Henry Rollins was playing. I was like, oh, hey, Henry Rollins is playing, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's weird, and he, bam, he pulls out two tickets from his, his jacket. He's just like, we're going to go see him right now. I was like, oh, shit. So we had a we had a lovely evening watching Henry Rollins. He talked for like three hours, something like that. Three hours with no water, no notes. He just stood there and just rapid fire talked. Um, it was great. It was such a good time. And now Henry Rollins is a good example of a guy who like his like music ran its course, but then he realized he could do other things. So he pursued other things, you know, like spoken word and writing books and being in movies and doing shit like that. And there's a difference between somebody like that and somebody who is like still trying to keep this like rigid, hyper, like, uh, like I am, I am the flag carrier of all things punk rock, and 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 you know, so there. But at the same time, there, anytime they perform anywhere, it's always like sponsored by some f- <laughs> some fucking company who um is the exact thing that they're fucking fighting against. Or pretend to fight against at least. You know, it's like who who pays you? Who butters your bread? Aging punk rock person. And you know who these people are. You know who they are. You know who they are. They're they're profiting off of your nostalgia while produce, producing nothing good as time goes on. And that's not just that's not just punk music. That's, you know, that, that goes for like regular old rock and roll, hip hop. You know, these people who just bank on your nostalgia like, oh, hey, remember me? I'm that one guy from 30 years ago. You know, it's it's one, but it's one thing if you were always in the public eye and you're just like, I'm here to get paid like Snoop Dogg. I'm I'm not really a fan of Snoop Dogg at all, but I understand why people like him. He actually had a very short ran show on it, it ran for a very short period of time, but um and then it got canceled or he decided to stop making it or whatever, but there was a show called Doggy Fizzle. And that was actually a fairly funny show. It was basically like Snoop going around to where regular people are and just fucking with them. That's how I remember it. Like there was one episode where Snoop just stands in the, like he's working at a drive through at a fast food restaurant and he's just fucking with every car that goes through. <laughs> I don't know. And, and, and Snoop is a, uh, he, he has one of those things where it's like, he's just been around so long that people think he's this, like lovable genius and not like like 
an old stoner who like thinks street gangs are like a, a noble way to uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, like a, a noble form of uh, expression, you know, this, this like gangster rap era of like, I'm dangerous and I associate with dangerous people. Ain't I cool? Buy my record. Like, that time is over. Like, no one's impressed by that. But, to his credit, it's it's not like he was... Like, he's banking on an image. And is very open about that. You know, he's banking on, like, oh, this essentially character he created. And, you know, that's fine. That's... <laughs> it's like Kiss. You know, no matter all of the, no matter all the shit that like Kiss has tried out, they understand what works. Got to put on the makeup, put on the big boots, have the pyro shows and uh, with, with fucking lights and lasers and all that shit. You got to, you know, exactly what songs they're supposed to play. It's there. It's certain things are expected of them and they just do it. Okay. And they just continue to get paid. Like. That I totally respect, but this idea of, like, fuck the system and fucking, you know, we're part of the working class and we're the, it's like, no, you're not. What, and living in the Bay Area, you see, you see these supposed kind of punk rock celebrity people. It's like, you are a bloated alcoholic who's clinging on to this the 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 tiny piece of celebrity you have so that you can fuck 17 year olds that's what you're doing and that's not just california that's that's everywhere i'm sure wherever you live wherever you're listening to there's certain people who were like the fuck the system uh we're gonna tear it down with fucking molotov cocktail people like who are young and sexy and interesting and different and weird and whoa. And then they just end up becoming bloated, bloated old perverts who just want to go to shows and get their dick sucked by people who are old enough to be their children. And, and they're just riding on, and playing to those people's nostalgia, people's probably young, innocent girls' nostalgia. Why don't you come backstage? Why don't you come to our tour bus in the back? I want to show you something. You like our band, right? Come to our tour bus. I want to show you something. It's a, it's a surprise. Spoilers, it's my penis. Okay. That's what these people are, you know, and I, I applaud when these people move forward and just do different shit. Your Henry Rollins, your, uh, fucking John Lydon, Johnny Rotten for the uninitiated. Like they just move. I love that Johnny Rotten just got old and became a Trump supporter. <laughs> Oh, God. Because, of course, that's what's going to happen. 
like, and people need to think about it. If you're listening to this and you're like a young person, and by young person, I mean somebody under the age of 30. If you're under the age of 30, look at the people you think are awesome now. People who are just like, wow, that person's really doing something new and interesting and cool. And I love their, I love the, the arts they produce, their music. I like looking at them. They're so good looking. I lo- Those people are j- like, remember them. It's like Elvis. Remember them for how they were, not as they are, because you're, you know, the, the old saying of never meet your heroes. It's like, you never want to, you want to don't meet your heroes. Remember them in the pristine state that you have of them in your mind. That's all that matters. Keep the fantasy alive. Okay. It's all kayfabe, baby. Keep the fantasy alive in your head because you don't want to know the truth. You don't want to know the reality. But you know who's not going to end up like that? Gigi Allen because he's dead. He died. Yep, he died. Um, The documentary basically goes through – it basically sets up – holy shit, was that a fucking segue? I just – I bet you forgot we were even talking about a movie right now. I know I did. I haven't eaten anything this morning. I've only been drinking coffee. This episode is uh, sponsored by uh, coffee from HEB. Uh, I drink, I've been drinking only a Texas brand of coffee. Which one? None of your business. But I'll tell you if you uh, send me an envelope of cash, I'll I'll disclose exactly which brand of coffee I drink. But uh, so hated starts off with a, a montage of um, news footage covering Gigi Allen and his shows and the the chaos that ensues at them, and um, it shows footage from. Uh, one of Gigi Allen's court proceedings. It's it you know it's it sets up it sets up that this guy's really really crazy. Like it's not like you're gonna eventually find out that he's some kind of scumbag. They they let you know right off the bat, and then there's some narration from Todd Phillips where he's like, "Okay, Gigi Allen was in jail. Like he okay, so he got." Let's see, he he was, G.J. Allen just got out on parole, and he decided to skip parole and go on tour. Genius. Okay, so that right off the bat is like, wow. Someone who just gets out of prison, and they're on parole, and they're probably, if you've ever watched a, a TV show, uh, when you're on parole, you're not supposed to leave the state. What does he do? He immediately leaves the state and goes on tour. So they, so Todd Phillips is basically kind of following Gigi Allen through this tour. Now this, this tour, it's all through the United States and it's basically the last tour for Gigi Allen because spoilers, he dies at the end. And, 
Um, it goes through talking to um, some of Gigi Allen's friends from high school. It goes into um, talking to um, some of his old teachers. Like, who was he growing up? They talked to his brother, Merle Allen, and how they they both grew up and they had, like, a this really weird father who... You know, like, for instance, when Gigi Allen was born, his father demanded that his mother uh, name him Jesus Christ Allen because he had a vision of Jesus and Jesus told him that he would um, have a son who would become like a Messiah-like figure. So he had to name his son Jesus Christ. So, but his, his father was also, uh, would do... He would do weird shit like like he would drag furniture out into the yard and set it on fire and he would uh he would uh oh for instance he was in the cellar one day and he was like digging he was digging like a massive hole and his wife comes down and is asking him like why are you digging a massive hole? And he's like, Oh, well I'm digging graves for you and the children. So these are your these are going to be your graves for you and the two boys, and I'm going to kill myself uh, after I kill you and the two boys, and then bury you in these holes in the cellar. So, which he didn't end up doing, but yeah, his dad was already like a kook. So um, let's see, Gigi Allen's mother ended up leaving him, moving away, and renaming. Uh, Jesus Christ Allen to Kevin Michael Allen and Gigi was uh, a was a nickname from childhood from his brother Merle. That's where that comes from. Like Gigi is not an abbreviation for anything. Who else did they talk to? They talked to some of his former band members. They talked to uh, one of his band members was actually Dee Dee Ramone from the Ramones. But the story goes that he was really in the band for like a week. And there was an incident when uh, the band was in a van going somewhere to band practice. You know, just leaving band practice. Who knows? They were driving through this area and there was a bunch of hookers on the corner. And Gigi like kicked open the back doors and started throwing beer bottles at the hookers and causing... Causing a scene. And uh, a week later, Dee Dee left the band, stating that that incident had nothing to do with why he left the band. But, you know, probably probably, uh, probably had something to do with it. The, the movie makes pretty clear that he is physically self-destructive. Um, you know, he's from the stage performances, from smashing and breaking a bunch of his own teeth with a microphone and his excessive drug and alcohol use. You know, that'll that'll make you old fast. The documentary is a nice safe way to sort of watch the chaos of this one crazy rebellious guy you know, from a, from a safe distance, but really kind of get a, get a feel of who he was 
how he lived his, his life, how he lived the last years of his life, you know, in and out of, in and out of jail, out of hospitals and eventually coming to an, coming to an early, an early end. And they don't really talk, they don't really mention this, but um, there's one, okay, there's one part where they talk about how Gigi Allen was supposed to commit suicide on October 31st, Halloween, and of 1990. He was supposed to commit suicide live on stage. That was, that was his claim, and he was, yeah, he was, I think there was a couple of dates he was supposed to kill himself, but um, I believe like right when the documentary begins. So the date he was supposed to kill himself, he got arrested. So there wasn't, there was no show for him to play and there was no show for him to commit suicide in front of because he was incarcerated. So there's a part of the documentary where people, question and doubt like if he was ever going to kill himself at all and so yeah pretty pretty self-destructive guy but he had this sort of like weird magnetism like people were drawn to him he had this sort of anti-hero outlaw thing to him and i think people really people and people love those types of people every genre of music you can think of there's some person who's this non-conforming weirdo that people just glob onto. I don't know what that is. Why is that? Why do we do that? I don't know. It's like watching a, it's like watching a wild animal or something. Like why, why do, like why do, it's like watching a wild, like wild animal videos of like animals being animals, like animals giving birth and then immediately eating one of their babies. It's like you're you're watching another living thing that's like so that's doing something so crazy, but it's like you know it's in their nature. That's what they are. That's what they do. Maybe, and I think that that applies to people because you can you can look at a person and you can talk to a person. They can talk back to you. And like an animal, an animal isn't going to make an album and then, you know, drop that shit. And, you know, no one's, no one's looking at the next banger from some fucking animal because animals don't make music and, and release it. So, but people do. So I don't know. I think we, we look at these people like, like they're animals and, um, well, there's actually, I will back up. There is one exception that I can think of. I think I'm remembering this correctly. There was a band back in like the early 2000s. And I believe they were called Hate Beak. Not Hate Breed. That's another band. But Hate Beak. And the singer of the band was a bird. It was like a parrot or something. So there you go. There's some music made by an animal. (laughs) And I read, I don't know, I read in some zine a long time ago. There was a, it was like a review of some fucking band. 
and their lead singer was like a pit bull. <laughs> it was a dog. Was, I don't know. I don't know how that re- recording session works. You just throw shit at the pit bull and just record it barking at you. Like you just dangle a stake just out of reach and record the dog barking. I don't know. I don't remember the name of the pit bull dog band. It's probably some dumb hardcore band. I think fucking hardcore bands kind of ran out of ideas by the time the 2000s began. Um, I don't know. Is there any? Is there any other animal-based music? What was it? Was it was like TBS? I think it was like old cable. The old back when there was cable, there was there was TBS, also known as uh, also known as TNT. Uh, it was it was a cable channel, and owned by Ted Turner. And during Christmas time, there would be a commercial where they would have a bunch of dogs sitting by like a fireplace and a Christmas tree. Uh, they were maybe wearing Santa hats too, but they would bark, uh, they would bark jingle bells. They would, oh my God, what am I talking about? Okay. Anyways. Yeah. Hated is a, um, you know, you, uh, you get some really, you get some really good footage of stage performances of, interviews and you get to, you get to get a look at this crazy freak show of a, of a punk singer and his band and how they sort of like navigate through the world. You know, like I said, uh, it's like a freak show, but, um, but to this day, there's still tons of rabid fans. If you go to, what was it? The documentary, the Allens, which came out recently. There's a whole, there's a whole, so actually, it's in the beginning. It's in the beginning of the movie. Actually, there's a whole part of G.G. Allen's grave is in uh, Pennsylvania. People, there's, there's videos out there of people going to visit his grave. I think even back in the day, like I think, I think CKY, I think it was pre-Jackass, I think. Like, like those guys went and visited Gigi Allen's grave and drank a bottle of, you know, like a full bottle of Jack Daniels or Jim Beam or something and, like, pissed on his grave. That was like a, that was like a thing. People would go to Gigi Allen's grave and, like, piss and shit on his grave. And uh, it became such a issue that eventually um, the people who ran the cemetery just removed his headstone and put it in like in storage because too many crazy people would keep showing up and shitting and pissing all over this one guy's grave. And in the opening scene of the Allens, our 2017 documentary, you can watch it on Tubi for free. Um, It's also on if you have um, Amazon Prime, it's on there too. But uh, there's like a video of Merle Allen, Gigi Allen's brother, walking up to some fucking guy who just took a piss on Gigi's tombstone 
and he's walking towards the guy and he has like a like a little acoustic guitar in his hand and he just walks up to the guy and just hits him in the face with it just elkabongs him and tells him like clean clean that shit off my brother's grave you fucking asshole <laughs> oh boy but yeah um you know if if you want to if you want to take a look at if you want to uh, watch the Allens, it's it's readily available too. But it's you know it's it's not as crazy as Hated. Hated is very insane. It, it definitely gives you a pretty good look into uh, the music and the person of uh, Gigi Allen. Um, I definitely recommend it as a uh, like if you want to see a, like a weird documentary, like go watch Hated. It's really really good. But yes, there's also there's also a link between Hated and movie from the last episode, from episode four, Crumb, documentary about Robert Crumb, the famous cartoonist. Um, Hated also has what Crumb has in that there's a family... Uh, like brother relationship, you know, uh, you have these, uh, the, especially the, the Allens, they are, the Allen brothers are very, like they were very close. They were the closest people in each other's lives that they had. And you really get a, it, it, that's really fleshed out in the Allens where you, you kind of see it's, it's years later, and Merle Allen's kind of an older guy now, and just you could tell he really still to this day misses his brother, and it's it's really his it's his life goal now to make sure that his brother was just isn't forgotten, forgotten in a sea of SoundCloud rappers and you know whatever the fuck else people listen to. Imagine Dragons. I heard that that's a name of a band. I couldn't name you one of their songs. It sounds like a power metal band. Sounds like it sounds like a band that would be opening up for um, Stradivarius or Glory Hammer, one of those power metal bands, or Iron Maiden. You know, Imagine Dragons, but I know there's some kind of weird, uh, there's some kind of fucking lame pop band or some shit. Anyways, um. <laughs> Um, I do find, uh, of all the craziness in the documentary, and I'm sure you can just look at it and be like, this guy was a druggy, violent piece of shit, and he fucking died of a drug overdose, and he probably deserves it. But, you know, it's, again, like Crumb, where you see the sort of, the, like, that, that connection between two siblings is sort of like this, this anchor that keeps that person's sanity keeps their feet on the ground. Like I I'm fascinated with stuff like that. It's just, it's just really interesting to me because no matter what's no matter what crazy path people go on, they can always kind of return to something. They can return to this, this bond by blood 
with family. And I don't know, especially now at my age, because like my my relationship with my family is kind of spotty at the at best. And I just find it interesting that uh, I find it inspiring. And you watch movies like this, you know, people probably don't feel inspired, but I, I do. I, I do get a little bit inspired when you watch this. It's like no matter how fucking crazy people are, they still have this safe, this sort of like the safety of knowing that their family is there. You know, and I don't know. I, I like that, that that's the glimmer of hope in this documentary. Like it could just, like I can see how anybody can just watch this and be like, things just escalate from bad to worse. And this, the people in this, in this movie are despicable. And, um, of course they're get a, you know, have people rush the stage and beat the shit out of them and, and fucking, of course they're going to die of drug overdoses. And of course, when they're dead, people are going to piss on the grave. It's like, that's surface level shit that people who are very dismissive, um, well, like they'll miss the point of like, you got to find like the human story in these types of things, you know, like, I'm sure there's. I'm sure uh, there's a uh, an Imagine Dragons. <laughs> if there is an Imagine Dragons documentary or, or some other band whose music I just don't give a shit about, <laughs> like, like I don't have to like their music, but I'm sure like somebody could di- direct something like a story of like, here's the human element of this of these people and. Um, and it, this doesn't work across the board. If you've ever seen that fake, <laughs> that fake, uh, documentary, uh, what's that fucking white girl's name? Taylor Swift. There was a documentary on Netflix. Don't ask me why I saw it, but I saw it. And that is not a documentary. That is a like 90 minute commercial for Taylor Swift. That's all it is. A documentary is like made by somebody who has like a point of view. They have a voice and they want to, they want to look at some shit that's happening in reality to real people and add dimension to it. So when you watch it, you, are like wow that's those are real people that I'm watching in the world and this is sort of their their story arc this is their struggle and there's none of that you know what the biggest struggle Taylor Swift had and in in that in her Taylor Swift documentary and it wasn't and and people who may have seen it might say well you know she had to deal with an eating disorder it's like f- everyone deals with an eating disorder but people don't call it eating disorders. They just, they call it something else or they don't even, they even, they don't even try to diagnose it. They just deal with it and move on. Okay. Everyone eats like shit. There's like a handful of people in the whole world who actually eat how you're supposed to eat. Everyone else just will willfully eats garbage. Okay. Me included. 
her biggest uh, struggle in the documentary was um, she didn't. And this is how I know Taylor Swift is a uh, is a uh, synthetic life form. She's like an android, possibly. Um, she's proof that we may live in a simulation. She said she's never she's never eaten a burrito. She hasn't eaten a burrito until the age of twenty eight. Okay, let that sink in. Could you imagine? If somebody in real life told you like, oh, you know, I've, I just recently tried a burrito and you're like, what do you mean? And they would say, you know, like the Mexican food, the, the burrito, it's a large tortilla filled with, uh, rice and beans or, and meat at, at sometimes, and sometimes guacamole and salsa, you know, you know that, and they roll it up wrapping in foil and you eat it you're like yeah i know what a burrito is you're like yeah i just had one for the first time like and if an if an adult told you that like looked at you in the eye and said yeah i'm 28 and i just had a burrito for the first time would that not fucking weird you out it would weird me out i'd be like where where were you for 28 years where you just never came across a fucking burrito. That doesn't make sense. That's like saying you never had breakfast cereal or you never had soda before. It's like, the fuck are you talking about? That's the biggest struggle Taylor Swift had in that documentary. That supposed documentary. I would be very wary. Be very wary of anything that even kind of, looks like a documentary on Netflix because there's some fucked up shit going on there. It's like every documentary made on Netflix was like made by like an AI computer. You know, that's how they, that's like how they test how good AI computers are. They just see if they can write screenplays to films and then they make the actual film and see if people actually like it. And if people like it, then they'll just keep doing that. It's like a, it's like a 90 minute deep fake video. Am I comparing Taylor Swift to Gigi Allen? No, that's not what I'm doing. Okay. That's, that's too easy. Okay. If you, if you like Taylor Swift, that's fine. Everyone likes a pretty, everyone likes a pretty girl who can sing. Okay, you know, people like that. I like dead guys who used to throw their shit at people. That's what I like, okay? All right, and you can't judge me for that. But what I want is a little I want to I want to I want to see the human element. I want to see the human element. I know that goes against never meet your fucking heroes. <laughs> but this particular guy, I want to see G.J. Allen's a hero. But, you know, he's dead. So I think the movie encapsulates his whole life in a very neat package. It's like, it's almost like Rod Serling. It's almost like Hated was like a, like a unused episode of The Twilight Zone. Where one thing that the original Twilight Zone was very good at was Rod Serling was like a genius in that he could tell you a very deep, strange story in a very short period of time. And 
that's what that's what hated and Gigi Allen and, and the murder junkies is it's this it's a very short film it's under 90 minutes and it tells you this entire guy's life and how he got to be the person that he transformed into and then he died and when he dies you're like oh that makes total sense that he died okay it's it's not like a big there's there's no surprises i mean you may watch it and be sort of shocked but i wouldn't say shock and surprise are necessarily the same thing you know also it's just a really good way if like if you're on a plane or you're commuting on a train or whatever like and you just can you're just sitting there if you know you're just going to be sitting there doing nothing for 87 minutes watch hated it's very interesting you know it's uh it's interesting also side note here's a little personal note uh merle allen who plays bass for the murder junkies and um He's sort of the main character in the documentary, The Allens. Well, because he's the only surviving, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's the main character. Uh, he's G.J. Allen's brother and his mother is sort of secondary character. But um, Merle Allen used to have an ad. He used to post ads on the back of uh, Maximum Rock and Roll, which is like this, like, long time kind of like underground punk magazine and uh, he used to have ads on the back where he's like okay send me a dollar and I will send you a catalog that's how most punk distros and shit like that works where if you wanted to buy things like like these like rare records and whatever like like you had to send a dollar for, a, or sometimes just a stamp to the to whoever, and then they would send you a catalog, and then you'd order things from the fucking catalog. So it would take months to get anything back then. So you, there was anticipation. There was no instant gratification where you can just look up something and watch it, and or listen to something, and you're just like, "Yay, that's good," or "Oh, that sucks." Uh, Merle Allen had this, and and this is like, su- like thinking about thinking about it now, it's like. It was, you could just get away with, you know, selling other people's intellectual property and it was totally legal. It's great. Basically, you would, you would send him a dollar and then he would send you a catalog. And in the catalog, he'd be like, okay, here's a list of live shows from bands you may like. Giant list. He's like, okay, you can pick as many live shows that'll fit on like a two hour tape and I'll put all those shows on that tape. So you'd have to go through and figure out which shows you can kind of like piece together to put on to a tape. And then he would record it on a VHS and then send it to you. And I, I don't even know if I own it anymore, but I did get a tape from him once and I remember what was on it. It was, it was three separate bands. One was um, th- from the band Vice Squad, and there was this thing called Vice Squad the Movie, and it was they're like a British punk band. Um, there was um, 
this other there's like this British punk band, this like like oi band called The Business. Um it was a show that they did in like England and I don't remember the quality being that great great. And then there was a show from okay, it was and then the, the third one was the Misfits. They did a like cable access show in I wanna say in Michigan, possibly in Detroit. And I remember the name of the show. It was called Why Be Something You're Not. And it was like a cable access show where they played on a tiny stage, like probably inside of some kind of makeshift studio. And they're like interviewed, like in between, like it looked like they had to go away for a commercial break or whatever. So there's like a guy interviewing them. And, uh, yeah, that was the three things on my tape that Merle Allen made for me. The business, Vice Squad, the movie, and the misfits. And, you know, uh, and even today, even in the, uh, the Allen's documentary, like he's still hawking shit online. Their drummer, Dino, Dino sex. He's, He's also been hated, and he's in the Allens, but now he's like old, and he looks crazy. And um, he always played drums naked. He would be naked when he played drums. And in in the Allens, there was a scene where the murder junkies played a show, and they chose someone from the audience to come up on stage. This is like a little a break in between in between songs. It looked like it was like. We're going to choose someone from the audience and you can stick Dino's drumsticks in his ass. So they chose some young lady from the audience and he lubed up the back end, the thick end, the thicker end of his drumsticks. Okay. I think he even taped them together. So it was like two drumsticks and he just was like, told the girl, okay, insert this into my ass, you know, and that was entertainment for the crowd. It may be not it may not be your type of entertainment, but the people who were at that show were entertained. Something for everyone. Okay? I believe there's always something for everyone. And these guys aren't like twenty. These guys are like sixty year old men sticking drumsticks in their ass. And then selling them on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> you know? Merle Allen can, you know, he, he makes, you know, he's, he's good at, you know, selling his wares, what you got to do, you know, if you don't, someone else will, you know, how much bootleg GG Allen shit is out in the world? A lot. People making money off that or like misfits merch, you know, it's bootleg misfits merch at this point. Fucking like, or like dark throne merch is by Billions of dollars of just bootlegged shit from these bands that are just everywhere. So word of advice, if you have a band, don't ever have like a plain black and white logo for your band. Because it will, anything that can be easily silk screened, like a, like a, like a one color processed silk screen, some fucking asshole somewhere is going to make merch and sell it. And your band will make no money off of it. So have the most complicated fucking logo you could possibly have.
anyhow, uh, that uh, that's that's it for uh, hated GGL and the Murder Junkies. Directed by good old Todd Phillips. Go check it out. I definitely recommend it. <clears throat> recommend it. Uh, it's a film from 1993, and um, you know, budget of $12,000. Wow. That's shockingly high for what the documentary is, but, you know. And, uh, and if you like Hated, go watch The Allens. The Allens is really for people who already, who probably already seen Hated and know who Gigi Allen is. It's really for fans. If you're just some rando and watch it, like, you probably won't get it or care or get, or you'll probably be bored to death. But if you're already like a G.G. Allen fan and you've already seen Hated, go see the Allens too. It's fine. It's fine. Um, what else? How much time do I have? Got a little bit of time here. Not a ton. Um, I want to get into what I've been watching. It is still October. It is we're entering into... Second week of, um, second, we're in the second week of October and, you know, it's Halloween season. So you got to watch spooky movies during this season. Sit around eating bags of, you know, eating bags of candy and having some drinks with your, with your buds and watching, uh, scary movies. Uh, I watched... Toby Hooper's Fun House um, about a uh, mongoloid in a uh, in a uh, in a rubber mask who's very rapey, and um, that's not what it's about. It's about it's about a bunch of uh, high school kids who go to the, uh, the the local carnival local traveling carnival fair in their town and they decide to um once the carnival closes they want to sneak into the uh the fun house the little spooky fun house uh ride and spend the night there hang out drink have unprotected premarital sex and smoke marijuana that's what they want to do. That's what you do in a small town. But once they get in there, all the doors are locked, and then they realize they witness a murder. They witness the monster of the movie uh, uh, kill the carnival fortune teller uh, because he she, she tried to get $100. $100 back in those days for sex, and then he... Uh, premature ejaculates and um she refuses to give back the hundred dollars so he uh kills her and the uh the kids who snuck into the funhouse witness this and now they're locked in with the uh mongoloid creature and uh his his uh cap not captor i guess it's his it's his father i guess he's technically his father who's like a gross carny person and they have to try to survive the night because they can't leave there alive. They witness them 
commit a murder. So 1981. It's definitely one of those movies where there's that weird crossover thing where you look at a movie and you're like, is this the fucking seventies with everyone's fucking firebirds and their fucking bell bottoms and their dumb hair. And it's like, no, that's the eighties. There's a big crossover where this fashion and hairstyles just crept into the next decade. But Funhouse, directed by Toby Hooper, who we uh, we all know from uh, directing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, if I'm not mistaken. So I uh, watched that, and that was fun. That's a fun movie. It's weird. You know, it's not nearly as good as Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but uh, if you want to watch a weird 80s horror movie with, like, a really goofy fucking monster and, you know, everyone in the movie gets killed except for one girl who survives at the end, you know, you can uh, you can check out Funhouse. It's, uh, it's not awful, <laughs> but it's not amazing either. And then I uh, watched... Uh, Friday the 13th part three, which we all know is the, it's the Friday the 13th where Jason Voorhees gets his signature hockey mask. And, um, yeah, I like the Friday the 13th movies. I will still say that, um, you know what? I'll watch it and I'll talk about it on the podcast. Friday the 13th part five. That's the best. That's one of the best, um, Friday the 13th movies and it's a it's a favorite it might be it might be my favorite Friday the 13th movie maybe it's just they just up the stakes in that movie you know it's it's so ridiculous and it's and it's wonderful it's 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 like 80s ridiculous it's not like Jason X Jason in space ridiculous that's like a whole sexual deviant coke addicted millionaire movie uh, studio moguls wanted to make a Jason movie. So they put it in space and for no other reason than to, I don't know, have a casting couch couch section with a bunch of young chicks to put into the movie. I don't know why that movie was made. I have no idea. I don't know. It has its charm now, but uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 has a nice 80s charm. And by that, I mean mustaches and cocaine and lots of titties and, um, you know, people wearing leather pants and jerry curls, shit like that. Shit like that. That, that, that. I like that. I like that tone. I like that ambiance. There was a small group at the house, and I was I was in my fucking uh, multi-billion-dollar podcasting studio doing shit, editing the last episode, and I went uh, out and went out in the living room, and there were some uh, some of my peoples were watching American Horror Story. There's a new one. I, I guess there's always a new one, constantly. And I don't know exactly what it's about, but the like the the like five minutes I stood there and watched was 
uh, it was like the 60s or something where the, the the government made a deal with aliens. Uh, they were going to give us their technology so that we could do something with it. I don't know. There was a guy from... Uh, <laughs> one of the guys from uh, Fire in the Sky played Richard Nixon and he was wearing Richard Nixon makeup and he looked terrible. The, the, the good saintly husband from sex life. Have you ever seen that fucking abortion from Netflix? That's uh, the, the husband from that plays John F. Kennedy. And he didn't even try to have like a fucking new Englander John F. Kennedy accent, which is, that's already annoying. If the guy's going to do a Nixon impression, like, you would think that whoever's playing Kennedy would at least, he would at least try to talk. He would at least try to talk like John F. Kennedy at the end of this decade. But he didn't. It, I was, I don't know. I'm, I fucking, am, I'm done with American Horror. I've been done with American Horror Story. Like, I try to watch, I've tried to watch multiple seasons. Like the fucking Coven one and the fucking Freak Show Circus one and the Hotel one. Like, I've, I give it the benefit of the doubt because there's good actors in it and it's shot well and they have interesting premises that they kind of like, like kind of lure you in with. But then once they lure you in, they shut the door behind you, they hold you down and they just shit in your mouth. Like, you know, I just feel, uh, you know, cheated and deceived by American Horror Story. So I just, I just, I don't, uh, I just can't do it anymore. I can't, I can, I'm not even going to trust or give it a chance anymore. I've given it too many chances and American Horror Story lets me down every single time. If you like American Horror Story, that's fine. You know, I'm not going to judge you for that, but I just, I watch it and it's insulting to what limited intelligence I do have. And it's not a lot. So I'm probably missing something. I also don't like Game of Thrones. So uh, if you want to click off now because I don't get the appeal of Game of Thrones, like I totally understand. I watched four episodes. Let me, this is what happened with Game of Thrones. I watched four episodes. I got insanely bored. I was like, this is derivative. I've seen enough sword and fantasy movies where I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't, I just don't care. And then people at the time when that shit was new were just like, you know, you got to just, you got to make it through the first nine episodes and then shit really starts picking up. I'm just like, you know how inconsiderate you sound? You told me to spend nine hours committing my time to something. Like, what if I told you, I need you to watch, If what if I told you, like, I need you to sit down, I need you to read, um nine hours of a book like no one people would be like i'm not gonna just read a book because you recommended it to me like oh no get to chapter nine and it starts if i get to chapter nine it gets really good people would be like fuck that read a book are you insane i'm not gonna read a fucking book who reads books yeah that's how i feel when people are like yeah get to the get past the ninth episode of game of thrones i'm like i'm done i'm not engaging with this I'm not engaging with your fucking fandom. I don't give a shit. Um, 
American Horror Story is also on FX, which I never noticed it was on FX, but it's on FX. And um, again, are are we done being fucking mad? Are we done pretending that we're still mad at Louis C.K.? Can we just stop and put his show back on the air? Like, has he not had his penance? Like, have we not me tooed all the people who need to be me tooed? Yeah. If if any executives from FX are listening, you need to give Louis C.K. his show back because it was pretty much the only thing you guys had going on. He's already publicly apologized. He's been self-flagellating himself because he's a guilty liberal man who's very introspective. Give him his fucking show back. It was it was the only interesting thing that was on FX. But no, we get season 500 of fucking American Horror Story. It's preposterous. How about this? How about we split the difference? How about we put Louis C.K. in American Horror Story? How about that? He could be a reoccurring character because that's if that's what American Horror Story does, right? Like they put the same actors as different characters in every season. You know, like Sarah Paulson will play a different person every season, but she's in every season. Do that with Louis C.K. Um, and do something. Do something that'll uh, you know make all the make all the fucking outraged people happy. Have have him be a character who gets fucking. Uh, Someone jerks off on him and then kills him every season. Like when they used to kill Kenny on South Park. Louis C.K. can be the new Kenny. Like every, every, ooh, not even every season, every episode. He's just a different character. Someone jerks off on him and then kills him. I think Louis C.K. might even be into that. I know I would be into it. I would tune in to watch that. So, yeah, what am I saying? What are you saying, Adam? Why, what are you saying? What I'm saying is American Horror Story is overrated. You know what else is overrated that I watched this week? The Abyss. James Cameron's The Abyss. James Cameron, who crushed it throughout the 90s, did The Abyss, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Titanic, crushed it. Okay? But The Abyss, you watch it and you're like, this is basically the movie Armageddon, which I understand came out after The Abyss. I understand that. But, it's, but if I had a choice between watching The Abyss and Armageddon, I want to watch Armageddon. And I don't even fucking like Armageddon. But I'm, it's basically the same story. It's we have to save... Uh, we have to save... Uh, we have to save the story because some horrible thing happened. You know, Armageddon, it's like meteor coming at the world. And uh, The Abyss, it's like, oh, there's a underwater exploration team stuck at the in a, in a submarine at the bottom of the ocean. We got to go get them. But then we encounter uh, an alien species that lives in the ocean. You know, it's a, it, the abyss has like a lot of good shit in it. It's got, you know, uh, you know, fucking Ed Harris, who's awesome. And, you know, it's, it's casted fairly well. The special effects look really cool. It feels claustrophobic. It actually makes you feel something. It's one of those, like, you know, horribly claustrophobic. You feel like you're going to fucking drown descent type sensations you have when you watch it. And I like all that stuff. It's got Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, who we all know from 
who was Marion and the Kevin Costner Robin Hood Prince of Thieves with his fucking horrible English accent. But also, like, upon watching it again, I realized that her face is annoying. And I don't know. I don't I don't find her actor her acting particularly good. And I don't I don't see the chemistry between her and Ed Harris. Like I don't like they're supposed to be like an like a divorced couple. And I'm like, I don't I don't see it. I don't see them I don't see the chemistry at all. It's like just sit there and be pretty. No, uh, you know what? You want the abyss, uh, like uh, the abyss suffers from um, what I like to call the us problem. The movie Us, the Jordan Peele movie. The movie has great things in it. It has great set pieces, certain special effects, uh, random memorable moments. It's got all these little things, but none of them are connected. They're just sort of these ideas are just scattered. You know, and they're sort of in the general vicinity of each other, and everything kind of feels disconnected. Um, that's what Us felt like to me. I went and saw that in theaters, and it just seemed like Jordan Peele and whoever else was working on the movie had a like sticky notepads of just ideas, and they would write the idea down, and you know, that it was a good idea, and then they would stick it on the wall, and then they just kept filling up the walls with sticky notes of like good ideas. And then they stood back and looked at all the ideas and just started throwing darts at the wall. And whatever the dart hit, they're like, that that idea is going to be in the movie. How does it connect to everything else? Uh, who gives a shit? Who cares if it does? It doesn't matter if it does because it's it's a cool thing to look at. Like, throw the throw the throw a dart at the wall of cool ideas. Throw the dart, bam! Like, oh, hey, let's let's put a VHS copy of Chud Center Frame. People will like that. It's like I get, I guess. That's what the abyss suffers from, where it's just like there's good things, good things, but the but the but the mixture didn't come together. You know what I mean? It's like if you made a Long Island iced tea and you just were like, okay, let's change the recipe, okay? Instead of putting uh, vodka, we're going to put fireball. And instead of putting uh, uh, rum, we're going to put Jägermeister. And instead of uh, a splash of Coke, we're going to uh, put uh, V8 tomato juice. It, It should work, right? It's like, no, you're... You're making a fucking cocktail that tastes like ass. That's what you're doing. How was that like the abyss? I don't know. I have no idea. Well, that's all I have for right now. Okay. So through the power of technology, I'm going to leave... And then I'm going to come back later and pick up where I left off. And I know I wanted to talk about COVID news. I wanted to talk about Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3. And um, 
let's see, Lamb. I want to talk about Lamb. I want to go see that, and I want to go see uh, Halloween Kills. Still need to get tickets for that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna leave now, and I'm gonna be back in a split second after many hours have gone by, and um, I'll be right back. Ready? Go. And just like that, I'm back. See how quick that was? It's like I didn't leave at all. Did an hour go by? Did eight hours go by? Did a full 24 hours go by? I don't know. I don't know. I do know. You don't know. But, all right. Enough about movies. I, uh... Uh, I want to just touch on my never-ending battle with YouTube and how I I pay good I pay good money for YouTube Premium, and still YouTube insists on putting COVID nineteen news um their COVID nineteen news playlist in the smack dab middle of my main page on YouTube. You know, I want to, I want to, you know, I want to just scroll. I spent years and, and, and money, you know, getting all my subscriptions and clicking the notification bell and making sure that all the things that I want to watch appear on my, on the screen. When I go to YouTube you know, I want to, I should be able to type in youtube.com and see all of the things that I like to see. I like, like there's Count Dankula. Mm, what else? The Grim Life Collective. Why, why does COVID-19 news need to be in the middle of all of that? I, I could close it. That's an option. I could just close it. But I don't... I shouldn't have to. It shouldn't even be there. And I wonder who maintains the COVID-19 news playlist on YouTube. You can tell they don't even care, really. It's, it's so haphazardly thrown together. I remember when I first started seeing this, there would be like 30 fucking videos. And... Now it's like horses left the fucking stable and they do, who some fucking intern at YouTube just throws together what any any video that just says covid in the title or Pfizer or vaccine they just oh just there that's the playlist. I'm looking at the playlist right now. There's five videos. It's like they're not even trying anymore. So since there's five, I can get into all five of them real quick. The first one is from Reuters. Title is Hospitalized with COVID-19. West slams vaccine mandates. Oh, yes. Yes. <clears throat> This Republican dude, 
he's running for governor in uh, Texas. You know, once you know, uh, once Greg Abbott is out, he's going to be like the next Republican dude coming forward. But I, this whole video is about how Alan West got COVID, was hospitalized, and uh, when he got out of the hospital, he's still like, like, I don't, he's not for vaccine mandates. He's still like against it. And um, so the whole thing is about how he is like, yo, I'm running for governor. Also, I just had COVID and I just uh, got out of the hospital and I'm feeling great. I got a really sharp suit on and um, I'm still not going to, I still think vaccine mandates are uh, retarded. And he's, I mean, he's an older looking gentleman. I don't know how old Alan West is, nor do I feel like looking it up. But I mean, he looks like he's an okay shape. He may be a little on the obese side, slightly. And he's got a head of gray hair. So I imagine he's, yeah, late 50s, early 60s maybe. But he looks like he's in, you know, he's decent shape for his age okay that has 81,000 uh has over 81,000 views on this video it has 1.6 thousand thumbs up and 564 thumbs down so more thumbs up than thumbs down Okay, so apparently people are just totally fine with with that. Uh, what's the next video? The next video is from CBS News. CBS News. Uh, title is U.S. administers 400 million COVID vaccine doses as some states struggle with vaccinations. Let's see. So they they go through some numbers here. Fifty six percent of the population is fully vaccinated in the U.S. Sixty five percent of the population is at least partially vaccinated, and of fully vaccinated people, no, three point nine percent of fully vaccinated people got the booster. How does that even make sense? That like what what are these numbers? Okay. Oh my God. No. Okay. First of all, this has 420,000 views. It has almost 420,000 views on this CBS news video. It has 1.6 thousand thumbs up and almost 9,000 thumbs down. And this whole, the, like the beginning of this it's okay. There's like this, the screen, I just paused it and it says U.S. coronavirus vaccinations. 56% of the population is fully vaccinated. 65% of the population is at least partially vaccinated. Do you see the problem already? It's like 56% and 
So that's, I'm not good at math, but what I can tell you is that's 121%. So more than half of the population is fully vaccinated. 56.3% is fully vaccinated. 65.2% of the population is at least partially. Well, what? Hello? No wonder this has... (laughs) 9,000 thumbs down and a thousand thumbs up. It's like, regardless of your stance on vaccinations, like just the math, just, and this is the source for this is the CDC for this video. So, I mean, so there's, there's that video. What is the point of all this, Adam? What is your point? We were talking about GGL and movies. Now we're talking about vaccinations. The point is I need to bring this up because YouTube keeps putting this playlist on my YouTube page and every video is overwhelmingly thumbs down. Like you would, it looks like they're providing a playlist at YouTube. They're providing a playlist for helpful information so that you can sort out uh, your decisions on masking and vaccinations and social distancing and all that shit. But it, but when you actually look at the videos, you, I, I can only conclude that YouTube is against all of that, even though I know they're not. But it seems that they are because all these videos are... They, they're just videos that nobody on YouTube likes. No, like the old, like people go out of their way to click thumbs down on, on these videos yet YouTube cobbles these together in a list and gives them to you as if they're helpful information. Okay. I'm going to do this other one here. Uh, this is from WKMG news six Orlando click Orlando. Okay. So this must is, this is from Orlando. COVID-19 vaccinations move back to Barnett Park. This guy's way too old to have a faux hog. Okay, yeah. So most most um, places numbers of infections are going way down, which is great. Especially since, you know, I live out in Austin and there's, you know, uh, Austin city limits is going on and people are going to concerts and right. You know, people are, you know, there's large gatherings taking place. So it's good to see the numbers are uh, going down. Um, but this video again, and this is just some local Orlando, like local news. I don't even know what this is even an affiliate of. It's it doesn't even doesn't even say. It's just some rando Orlando area news station. It has 121,000 views. It has 324 thumbs up and 2.6 thousand thumbs down. So, I mean, 
I don't know who the fuck is watching this besides people who live around Barnett Park or in the Orlando area. They watch this and they're like, this, the, clearly what they're saying is that um, this news story is not representative of the reality that's taking place in where they live. And I've, I've never even fucking been to Florida, you know? Let's see the next video. CBS Mornings. CBS Mornings. Uh, Video is entitled Fight Over COVID Vaccines for Children. 27,000 views, 115 thumbs up, 1.7 thousand thumbs down. Nobody likes this fucking video. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Biden's got that weird, creepy, like set, that, like White House looking set where he does all of his. Uh, When you see the number, it's so abstract. It is. It is abstract. You know what else is abstract? Uh, Numbers of gun deaths. And the fact that uh, uh, gun death numbers by suicide get clumped in with fucking uh, gangland shootouts and fucking liquor store robberies. You know? That's abstract. It's one thing to just put the inf- like put numbers, raw numbers out there for people to sort of absorb, but to have these sort of like misery porn stories of just like you know, fucking nurses crying and like I put more people in body bags in the past 2 years than it's just like Like what? It, like what is that for? Is that to like scare people into, like, if you try to scare people into compliance? <laughs> good luck with that shit. Like, good luck getting anybody to do anything just by fear. That's it's like it, you're inherently going to have people who are going to fucking push back. And those people who push back get made into get made out to be fucking crazy people that who need to be uh, hated and uh, must work from home forever because they're not allowed to be around other people. It's like, yeah, let's 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 segregate people because that's worked so well in the past. Yeah, it's when you go to the grocery store, like fucking three quarters of the people in there aren't wearing a mask anyways. But we just like like grocery stores don't count somehow. I don't know. What is the last video in this shit? Oh God, Adam, why are we doing this? Why are we trudging through fucking COVID nineteen YouTube videos? Why? Because 
you know, you can't, uh, you can't listen to this podcast without being dragged into, uh, the misery porn that I, uh, I indulge in. Sorry. I'm not forcing you to listen. You can, you can stop listening at any time. Last video is from our friends at Good Morning America. Good Morning America. The video is entitled Pfizer COVID-19 Vaccine for Kids. It has over 16,000 views. It has 173 thumbs up and 2.2 thousand thumbs down. Lots and lots of thumbs down. Oh my god, this guy's voice is horrible. He has too many... His, he needs to control his plosives. It's a 14% drop. Don't do that. Yeah, co- this emergency use authorization thing is weird. Like, how long is something going to be emergency use authorization? Isn't it like, like when is this shit just going to be official? And I don't know. The vaccine, but. God. The U.S. didn't see much flu last year. Hmm. Yeah, we didn't. Maybe we should think about why that's the case. Lots of great stuff. Mostly thumbs down. Great stuff. GMA. Oh, boy. Okay. I'm going to spare you from COVID-19 news now. I just want to, the point of all this is I want to point out that all of these, uh, all these news sources that are supposed to be like information for you and your family to guide your life with is, uh, people don't fucking like it. (laughs) And this is probably the only place, uh, you know, just, just thumbs up and thumbs down it's really the only place you can look at and be like wow like this shit gets put on tv every single day and like whenever people have an opportunity to actually vote of of like if they feel like this is a valuable piece of information there's people out there out there will take the time to give it a thumbs down and be like no this isn't useful at all this is uh this is fear-mongering like, have we not heard, like, over a year of this shit? Like, do we have to...
that we have to continue with the fucking fear porn? Is that 100% necessary? I thought we were being guided by science. Can't we just have science? Have somebody... Uh, have some sort of smooth Neil deGrasse Tyson type person. Or Michio Kaku or someone who's uh, Dr. Oz. <laughs> somebody... Somebody... Somebody who can dumb down this complex information enough so, like, dummies like me could uh, understand it without... Because, okay, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. If you actually go to a hospital, which I have gone to a hospital since COVID happened. I got really sick a few months ago, and I thought maybe I had COVID. I didn't have COVID. I got tested twice. Um, within this, during the time I got sick. So about a five day period where I just felt like death. I got tested twice, both times negative. And when you go to the hospital, it's, um, they just, they explain your options of medical care. And then they recommend some things that you should be doing. That's, I think most people would agree with me that that, like when you go to a doctor and you're like, this hurts, I don't feel very good. Ooh, my throat, my head, whatever. They rather prescribe something. They uh, offer just sort of a general guidelines of how you should proceed once you leave the, the office. Okay. And then they say, have a nice day. And the doctor leaves you go pay for your copay if you're lucky enough to have uh, insurance, and then you go home. If if you showed up to the doctor, you're like, "Fuck, I I think I might have COVID." Like, I've had headaches, I've had a a cough, I can't sleep, I feel really miserable, doc. What should I do? And they're like, "Okay, we're gonna test you for COVID," and then they test you, and they're like, "Okay, it came back negative. That's good," but um. Uh, if your doctor sat there and was like, do you have any idea how many people I've put into body bags this month or this year or the past two years? Do you know how many crying widows I've held in my arms? Do you know how many orphaned children? If you're, you'd be like, what are you talking about? I, I, I don't, what are you doing, doctor? I don't understand what you're doing right now. Why are you, why are you being fucking weird? Just give, give me the information that I need because I'm the one who's ultimately going to be kind of guiding my, my personal health. I'm not going to have a, a doctor walking side by side with me or a nurse or a virologist. Like they're not going to be with me at all times. Just, you know, making sure that I'm being as safe as I possibly can be. Like I have to take responsibility for myself once I leave this office, you know, you would be weirded out if a doctor now, presumably the news gets their information from doctors who know what they're talking about. So at what point and obviously, I understand that news is sensationalized garbage. I under, I get that. But uh, 
at what point do they say, okay, well, we have all these, uh, we have all these raw data numbers uh, about how we can report on COVID, but let's let's add a layer or two or three of just like, uh, can we get footage of someone's funeral who died of COVID? Can we get, uh, like, can we can we get a a crying medical professional who's seen too many dead old people who got COVID and died? Like, what what's with the fucking misery lasagna? <laughs> fucking uh, what is what is this that's why everyone's all fucking freaked out I refuse to be freaked out I think it has something to do with uh, some undiagnosed narcissism that I have and uh, um, I have lack of uh, a, a possible lack of empathy <laughs> I'm just not, I'm not as freaked out as everybody. And I, you know, and it's not like, but I'm also, I'm not freaked out in, in two different ways. One, I'm not freaked. I'm not freaked out in a like right wing, like, you know, pounding my fist on the table. And they're like, these motherfuckers are taking our fucking Liberty and our freedom and all this shit. And like, I'm not that level of angry, but I'm also not like completely panicked and washing my hands constantly and fuck, you know, buying designer masks and like, and getting tattoos of my Vax card over my heart. Like I'm not doing, I'm not on that level. I'm like in the middle where I'm just like, ah, just completely just burnt out and don't care. I'm just like, whatever, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I, at this point I just don't care. And I think that's where most people are. If they're really, really honest. And I talk to a lot of people on a day to day basis. I do talk to a lot of people on a one-on-one basis um, because I actually have a career outside of what, of, of this podcast, believe it or not. And I have to talk to people all the time. And when you talk to people one-on-one in a relaxed setting and most people are fucking done with this, they've been done with this. You know, they, they're tired of fucking being browbeaten by fucking know nothings. You know, I like middle ground. I like middle ground where people can just find a little, little patch of peace that they can sit on together. Cause all this frothing at the mouth, anger and is, 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 I don't know. I just don't care. You know what I do care about? I care about the, uh, uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury 3. They're fucking the end of their great trilogy series of fights. I wish I can say that I purchased the fight. But um, I'd be lying. I came across it on the internet. I wasn't deliberately trying to uh, 
uh, steal or defraud or um, anything like that. But I ended up watching the fight, and it was very, very good. It was very good. Tyson Fury's absolutely amazing. He's definitely my favorite uh, boxer. And uh, maybe of all time. Who knows? Uh, yeah, that guy's really fucking impressive, and he's very entertaining. And he's actually made me, like, excited for to actually watch boxing. Like, you know, I grew up in, like, the 80s and 90s where boxing was actually pretty fucking lit, and then I just kind of stopped giving a shit after a while. But this fucking guy, fucking Tyson Fury, really, uh, it really piqued my interest. Um, other than that, I got my tickets purchased for Alamo Draft House, uh, for the movie Lamb, which looks weird. <laughs> looks like a weird fucking movie, but it looks, it looks good. Um, going to see that soon. And I'm also going to go see, uh, Halloween Kills. It's finally coming out. That shit was supposed to come out last year, but John Carpenter uh, said, fuck that. I'm just going to wait till theaters are open. And it paid off because now it's uh, it's about to come out here in, in a couple of days, and I already have my tickets, and I'm going to go see opening night. Late opening night show. I'm going to go by myself and see it. Uh... I'm pretty stoked. I like these new Halloween movies. The one from 2018 is really good. If you haven't seen that, watch that shit. And then um, I hope the Halloween Kills is a is a, a a nice conclusion to the the 2018 Halloween. Very excited. Um, God, I came across the fucking scream. Okay, I saw the Scream trailer, and it doesn't look amazing. It looks like it looks like all the other Scream sequels, which is, I guess, that's fine. You know, there's a continuity there. Like, it feels like an early two thousands horror movie. You know, uh, but it has all the characters from those movies. It's got what was it, Nev Campbell and. Courtney Cox, I think, is in it, and everybody's favorite fucking actor slash wrestler, uh, David Arquette, is in it. It's so okay. So people, all, the original people from the movie are in it, you know, but they are calling it. They're just calling it Scream. Shouldn't it be Scream Five? Call it Scream Five. Don't call it Scream. There's already been a scream. You know, it's not like it's being rebooted. It has the same fucking people from the other four movies in it. It's like, just call it Scream 5. It sounds cooler. I don't know when the fuck that's coming out. That might I don't think that's coming out until next year, actually. But I'll probably see that anyways, because um, as... as as corny as the uh, Scream movies are, uh, they're actually pretty good. They exist in a little 
world that's uh that's pretty cool um coming up here let's see Mm, coming up here soon i think it's actually gonna get recorded i think we're actually gonna record this on wednesday so in a couple of days I'm going to do an episode with a friend of mine from back in California and we're going to, um, it's going to be a call-in show and we're going to discuss the Hellraiser franchise. And uh, this is a friend of mine who is it's actually uh, starting their own podcast um, currently and uh, also wants also has a podcast about talking about movies. So uh, we were, you know, sitting around kind of, uh, kind of bullshitting and talking about being on each other's podcasts. And I was, I'm not really looking to have guests on the show, but uh, I'll make an exception for, uh, from my friend Jill. Um, so Wednesday, we're going to record, a call-in show and that'll probably be up on um, probably be up on Friday. I'm thinking, but yeah, we're going to discuss the Hellraiser franchise and we're probably going to, you know, talk about a bunch of other things as well. And uh, we'll talk about the, uh, there's supposed to be another Hellraiser movie coming out soon. I don't know where it is in its production right now. Actually, I'll look it up. Hmm, Hellraiser Remake 2022. Let's see, I'll just click on the first story here. This is from September. Uh, Hellraiser Remake is shooting now and will be a... It'll be beautiful and scary. Yes, uh... David S. Goyer, who is currently co-writing and producing a highly anticipated Hellraiser remake directed by David Bruckner. Uh, Quote, we are shooting as we speak. We're about two-thirds of the way through it, and it's going to be pretty neat, says Goyer. David Bruckner is definitely sticking true to the mythology, but also reinventing some of it. I think it's going to be beautiful and terrifying. Reinventing some of it. That's the that's the part of that quote that concerns me. Based on the novella The Hellbound Heart by English author Clive Barker, who also wrote and directed the original film adaptation of the story, Hellraiser is centered on a mysterious puzzle box that blah 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 blah. Yes, we know what Hellraiser is about. The franchise boosts 10 films, countless novelizations and comic books, and but with writing includes the Night House screenwriter, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's being filmed right now, and it'll come out whenever the fuck it comes out. Do they have an actual release date? Doesn't look like it. Oh, yeah, that was the whole, like, that was the whole 
controversy that uh, Pinhead was the the character of Pinhead is supposed to be played by a woman, and you know I can I can hear the fucking outrage now. But you know, there's only one woman who should be playing fucking Pinhead. Okay, one woman, and that's Tilda Swindon. Tilda Swindon is the only actress who can play Pinhead because she can act and she can act through makeup and she has a presence. That's the only that's the only woman I want to see play fucking Pinhead. Jamie Clayton. I don't know. What else was she in? I don't know who this is. Okay. Uh, what else was she? She was in the L word. Equal a TV document. Okay, she was in Roswell, which I never seen. Designated Survivor, which I didn't see. I'd only want to see it because I like uh, what's his face, Kiefer Sutherland. Uh. Okay. So it looks like she's done a lot of TV. Um Okay. I mean just by looking at photos of her. Ooh, she has really intense blue eyes. She yeah. I don't know. She has really intense eyes. I think hopefully that'll come through in the pinhead makeup. But the thing is, is her face is too pretty. She needs to have some sort of like oddness to her face. Like Tilda Swindon has an oddness. She has like weird pointy nose and cheekbones. And, you know, she's like when you look at her, she she already has a presence without even having to speak. She can just stand there and have this really intense presence. This Jamie Clayton, I don't know how good of an actress she is, but I mean, she's very, uh, she's a very uh, pretty woman. And she, but I, th- I think the big thing is they're gonna have her. Her eyes are pretty intense looking, so I hope that comes through. Anyways, I'll watch it. Anyways, I've watched all ten Hellraiser movies, and I actually did a marathon of it like a year or two ago. Yeah, it was in 2019. I just over the over the course of like two days, I watched like all the Hellraiser movies, and I've or, and I've always liked one, two, and three. I've been big like I grew up with those movies, but then all the pretty much four through let's see four, five, six, um, yeah, I like four, five, and six. You know, they don't, people, people fucking hate them, but I like them. And the reason why I like them is because I've read some of the Hellraiser comic books and the Hellraiser comic books read like how those other sequels feel like, like I read one where it was about, um, and the, and the comics are not so much about like pinhead and the Cenobites and hell and the, Lef- the the floating Leviathan and all that shit. It's like, it's about, it's dark, weird stories about people 
And I read the first Hellraiser comic book I read. It was about these group of, I believe it was Vietnam veterans who, once they all got back to America, um, they would have this tradition where every year they would go to this cabin in the woods somewhere and they would all hang out for like a weekend or something. And, but uh, at, at some point they would all sit around a table and play Russian roulette with each other. So every year somebody died. (laughs) So it just goes through the entire, basically the story is like everyone eventually dies because I don't know, math sort of how the odds are. If you just keep going back every year, eventually there's going to be fucking nobody left. Right. And then like that was it. Like everyone dies. And I think they tied it in with like the puzzle box was in the room. And I think like it, when the last guy was standing, the puzzle box opened and like pinhead took that guy away to hell or something. I'm fine with that. It's fucking weird. It's different. That's how the movies are. And if people saw, if people would like, like read one or two of like just random, random Hellraiser comics, which would takes up, which will take up max 30 minutes of your life. And then you kind of go back and look at those other Hellraiser movies three, four, five, six, like you would go, Oh, okay. I, this makes sense. This is definitely a low, a lower budget type of, uh, movie, but I get what they're doing and maybe you'll see it as not as bad as you think it is. Uh, anyways, I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch any Hellraiser movie. Cause the last one they put out, the last two, they put out, we're pretty fucking bad. So, you know, I'm, I, it's nice to, it'll be nice to see some fresh blood, uh, in that series. Other than that, thank you for listening to skeleton factory podcast. This was episode five and, um, Episode 6 should be up uh, this coming Friday. And it'll be the first Colin show. And we'll be talking about the Hellraiser series. It'll be me and my friend, Brother Jill. Brother Jill will be calling in from Oakland, California. And we'll have a nice little chat. Nice, friendly chat. Well, thank you for listening. And, uh, you know, I'm here to... uh, rescue your movie night one movie at a time have a great rest of your day until next time bye